are listening to Our Anxiety Stories, the Anxiety Canada podcast with John Bateman. Check out anxietycanada.com for more totally free anxiety resources, including our app MindShift CBT. This is Dan Torney I'm talking to. Hi, yeah, it is. Hi. Hi, Dan. It's John from Our Anxiety Stories. How are you doing today? Good, good. I've been watching the, uh, the broadcast for the last hour, so I'm loving it. Oh, are you really? Oh, good. So it's, uh, yeah, it's translating well for you? Yeah, I'm, I'm actually really glad that I got to catch uh, Dr. Badali's talk because I'm feeling just as anxious as I think she was talking with you. Well, that's good because, you know, it seems like my, my anxiety hasn't really abated that much over the, over the morning, you know, working on it. But it's just, uh, it's, uh, it's certainly been fun and great to talk to people and great to meet people, definitely, who are like-minded. And you are certainly one of those. You're part of the uh, Scientific Advisory Committee uh, with Anxiety Canada. Yes, yeah, for the past year or so. Yeah, yeah. and um, my question to you is, what's your anxiety story? You can answer that in whatever terms you want, but, you know, has it affected you personally? Is it just something you got into professionally? How, how, is that, how does that manifest with you? Yeah, my anxiety story uh, goes back a ways. I'll try to be succinct. Um, so I mean, you don't I grew have to be succinct. Uh, I'd like details, too. <laughs> okay. Uh, I grew up uh, in a house where uh, my mom was a bit of a worrier, uh, and she definitely showed some, um, I'd call them, I guess, traits of OCD uh, and depression. And so I was exposed to it early on. Uh, and I think over time that led to a pretty strong interest for me about how mental health issues develop. Uh, and then I had this really sort of, I don't know if it's an aha moment, but mm -hmm. uh, I was at UBC doing my undergrad in psychology. And one of the professors had us hyperventilate in class um, to experience sort of what it's like to have a panic attack spontaneously. Whoa, and interesting. Yeah. It's pretty heavy. I know. Today, I don't think we could do that probably for liability issues. <laughs> yeah, but at the time. Sure. Uh, Let's all have a panic attack, was, everyone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we couldn't do it today, but back in 2001 or so, that was fine. And um, it was great because it, it, it just did something to me where I thought this is fascinating that people have to uh, really, unfortunately, live with this uh, almost on a daily basis. Some people having multiple panic attacks a day. Mm -hmm. And so then I decided to go on to graduate school where I focused on uh, anxiety in preschool-aged children and OCD. Yep. And that kind of got me today. Right. Yeah. Okay, so the, so there was, so it, you said it was something with your, uh, with your parents that kind of, that kind of tweaked you to be interested in that. It's interesting to me that 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 didn't trigger you in any way and rather you looked at it more uh, from a scientific standpoint almost yeah i've always been really i guess a curious person yeah uh, and as a child psychologist uh it's interesting always to me to see the impact of your genetic sort of predisposition and your temperament on how things pan out Mm -hmm. So some folks are more susceptible to mm -hmm. anxiety disorders over time, uh, and some folks uh, are just more resilient. Mm -hmm. And so for me, yeah, I grew up as an adult. I mean, I still have anxiety. I still worry. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and anxiety is something that I always talk about as being something helpful uh, to a certain extent. Yeah. But yeah, I, don't, I never developed an anxiety disorder. Or it never became clinical for me. No, yeah, that, which, hallelujah, that's fabulous. Love to hear that. But it's to me, it's it's uh, you know, it, do, do you focus? I mean, the focus of Anxiety Canada is cognitive behavioral therapy. So I take it that's the direction that you're in as well. Yeah, absolutely. So evidence-based practice or evidence-based approaches to treating anxiety. So. 
CBT forms the core uh, of most of my approach. Mm-hmm. I was trained uh, at school in the U.S., and uh, we focus primarily on behavioral treatments, which is just a component of CBT, Yeah. Um, again, with a lot of evidence behind it. But yeah, absolutely, that's something um, my own practice and the practice I work at focuses on. Yeah, right. Um, and so how have, you, how have you been, how have you worked with Anxiety Canada in terms of being on their advisory committee? committee? Yeah, to me, I think being part of the committee is really great because what we get to do is sort of get uh, exposure to things coming down the pipe in terms of what's the current and future treatment models that we're using with kids and adults. So I focus more on the kids stuff. Uh, and I've already sort of had a chance to throw in my two cents on um, some online protocols for anxiety, how we're helping kids with anxiety and sleep issues, mm-hmm. uh, and things like that. So it's great to be able to have some input because one of the hard things I find today is both a person and a psychologist uh, is how do we consume knowledge effectively? We hear so much stuff uh, online. I heard you talking earlier about technology. Mm-hmm. Um, how do we know what's good and what's not good? Because so much of it sounds good on the surface, but yeah. it has no science behind it. Right, right, for sure. And that, I guess, you know, how far off are we on having science behind that? Um, you know, are, how active are the studies with this kind of stuff? You, you probably have some insight into that. Yeah, and, and a few people today already have touched on it a little bit, the, the importance of not allowing kids or adults uh, with anxiety to um, get stuck in that avoidant coping cycle. Right. Uh, a few people so far with you have commented on that. But, I mean, the hard thing I see a lot, uh, again, online is a lot of people promoting this idea that we just need to, I call it, hug it out. Just sort of like, let's just let kids avoid. I heard Kathy even talk about school refusal a minute ago. Yeah, yeah. You know, that and, was and me once too. you start getting into that taste or cycle of, of missing out on things, mm-hmm. that's when I worry because over time that can lead to mood issues and, and other complications like substance use and things like that. Yeah, so for me as a kid, there was definitely a lot of frustration in that being afraid, like being afraid to do something, but then the other side of that same coin is so much regret about missing on that very same thing I'm avoiding. Absolutely, and that's just it, and that's the hard thing with kids, is they don't have always that sort of long-term insight that Which adults I didn't. have. yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so they're missing out, you know, at eight, nine, or 10, and they think that anxiety is their best friends because it's sort of helping them relieve that short-term pain. Yeah. Uh, but long-term, uh, you just start missing out on everything that matters to you. And so one of the things I talk about so much when I meet with people is, you know, the things that we care about the most are the things that make us the most anxious. Right. And and that's really a really tough spot to be in. So, you know, I even heard about your experience as a teen talking to that therapist who just said, oh, dear. Oh, yeah. You know, that's, a, that's the kind of stuff that makes me upset because, you know, they're there now are better ways that we can deal with that yeah well i mean that was i didn't know to be upset at it at the time i just thought that's what it was and i thought that you know okay so this is what going to a child psychiatrist is about and there you go and then back home and then panic attacks continued and generalized anxiety continued um and that was also you know i i don't want to excuse it because i'm sure there were some some wonderful people working in that field at the time but that was kind of i just thought that was the norm i don't know if that was the norm back then uh this would have been you know in the early 80s 
Um, and I guess that's one of the questions I, that I'd like to ask you in terms of in terms of dealing with children is I, I asked it previously. Um, how do you feel like that kind of treatment has evolved over the past, say, 20, 30 years in your experience? Yeah, uh, I mean, a long way. So there's been obviously waves in different treatment approaches over time. Uh, but since the 80s and 90s, uh, the CBT uh, approach has really been dominant, at least from the scientific community, is having a lot of evidence behind it. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, today, uh, the hard thing is there is evidence for other approaches, too. But what we're looking at is, you know, what's the most effective in a short amount of time, and that's also accessible. So, for example, uh, I can say, and this might upset some treatment providers out there, but, you know, maybe a psychodynamic approach could mm. be effective, mm. but it may take years. Can you, defi- uh, can you define that, to, that, that approach for me? Yeah, so, um, oh, I'm not an expert in it at all, but mm. think of more stereotypical, what you see in the movies, like right. uh, Woody Allen type of you know, let's process your childhood trauma and yeah. talk about your past. Yeah, that's, that's certainly, I feel like that that method, and especially the way it's portrayed in movies, leads a lot of people down the garden path that that's, what they're gonna, that that's how it's going to work. That there's, you know, you uncover some, some kernel of your past and you cry and then you're cured. Right, and that is the farthest thing from what I practice and what I try to help others understand. So one of the things I try to do is give talks in the local community here to parents at schools for free just about how CBT is not like that at all. It's very educational in nature. Mm -hmm. It's very much sort of teaching people about what anxiety is, how it's both helpful and unhelpful, Mm -hmm. and strategies that we can use to help both parents and kids overcome their fears. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's not a a one-day fix. One of the challenges today is people really want a quick fix. Yeah, of course. Uh, but it's certainly not like it is on TV where it's 12 or 20 years of, of lying on a couch with someone saying, oh, dear. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. I mean, that, yeah, that, that, that just because I also think on, on the other side, humans are emotional creatures and sometimes we need some outlet to, to let emotions out. And I feel like there can be some healing in, or some, some relief in that. Uh, you know, to be completely frank, I often feel better after a good cry. Let's just, that's just the way I feel and that's just a raw emotion coming out um, that doesn't that's not a lasting unfortunately that's not a lasting uh, coping mechanism uh, well, working with children um, and talking to you about your practice how do you you know I've I know all the sort of all the tried t- trusted into meth- true methods with with uh, cognitive behavioral therapy I've just gotten into it recently the last couple of years um, how how is how is the approach different with children like how do you you know because a lot of them i i wouldn't see having a real you know having that like you did as a kid that kind of scientific curious brain um how does it work with kids who are in a in kind of an emotional state yeah one of the challenges i think being a child uh, treatment provider versus an adult is i'm often not working directly just with the kids i'm working with their adults or family as well and so buy-in is a real challenge for me because I need to get kids to buy in a little bit and parents to buy in mm-hmm. uh, at the same time. Right. So when we work with kids, the treatment approach is actually remarkably similar to what it is with adults. Uh, I often say the treatment approach is the same whether you're four or whether you're 40. 
It's more about how we phrase it and how we break it down to a level that makes sense to kids. For sure. Now, at a certain level, kids have a hard time with thinking clearly. So under age seven or eight, we don't use as much of the cognitive strategies in the CBT model. Mm -hmm. um, but we certainly still focus on behavioral strategies like fighting your fear by facing your fears is right. one of the models that we often talk about. Yeah, 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 that's, yeah, that's, that's interesting. That's the, yeah, because I mean, that's something that I always wanted to, you know, it's something that I go back to where I think, oh, how could it have been different for me within, with, you know, in, in that treatment? I'm curious though, you know, <clears throat> I didn't really start getting, you know, what I thought was action with, uh, it took me a long time to find a good psychologist and a good psychiatrist. I've gone through several just because I've moved and so on and so forth. But until my, my mother then really got deeply involved with that, how, um, how are parents nowadays involved with it with you do they go in and and talk with you and the child at the same time do they talk separately how does that work yeah it, it depends a lot on your provider uh, and their approach but i think with a cbt model or, or what a lot of us practice is is sort of having it be a cohesive uh, family sort of plan so that kids uh sorry kids and um their parents are part of the treatment plan together and so to um children and, and at the same time their parents are there listening in so that they sort of take the strategies we talk about mm -hmm. and I phrase at home so that they're working with their kids uh, between sessions and that you know we're not just working on things in the moment but they're working on things constantly in between our meetings right yeah yeah that's it's really important that parents be armed and I didn't you know I felt like it was really with with my mom who went through a lot of my mental health challenges with me um, it, she started to feel a lot better about it too once she was armed with all that information yeah and I, and I what I said earlier about <clears throat> anxiety running in families a lot of times one of the funniest things I sort of hear is parents leave and they sort of smile and say I took a lot from today's session as well. I also have anxiety, and this has been really helpful for me. Right. And we might have spent, you know, 50 minutes talking about Mr. Worry and fighting the worry monster. Yeah. And, and yet they walk away and say, that was really an interesting way that you phrased it, or that's a really interesting way of reframing anxiety as helpful and unhelpful, or using some of these CBT strategies. Yeah. Um, and I love that. It's very rewarding to me to help both parents and their children at the same time. Oh, yeah, definitely. Don, I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us and being part of the event today. No, thank you so much for hosting all this. You're doing a great job. Okay, take care. We'll talk soon. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Our Anxiety Stories, the Anxiety Canada podcast with John Bateman. Check out anxietycanada.com for more anxiety resources, including our app MindShift CBT. And if you like what you hear, please consider making a donation. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Until next time.